I think re reminding yourself that an artistic career is inherently connected to your life and they're not separate. So you need to have a life that is full uh, and not just solely focus on whatever line of art you're going after. And by that, I mean, travel, read, see things, explore, try stuff. It all informs who you are as a person, which indirectly, naturally informs your point of view and your voice and what you want to express artistically. And so, you know, it's essential to then have those life experiences. I was Ashley Tabitha by. This is from the Maker to the Mate podcast. You are listening to From the Maker to the Mate podcast. Welcome back. Welcome back to the podcast. My name is Barry Power. I'm a musician, songwriter, tinkerer of things in my small studio in my shed. Well, it's a garden room, but it's a man shed in the back of my garden. It's currently late at night. We're on the eve of lockdown. Or a few hours away from lockdown, as I record this. Lockdown number two for us here in Ireland. And, uh, yeah, the thoughts going into this one, very different from the thoughts going into the last one. And uh, there's a little bit more of my thoughts on that, if you stick around to the end of the podcast. Anyway... It's nice to be back. Nice to be back with another episode. Nice to be bringing something to you. And what we are bringing to you today is a conversation I think you're really going to enjoy. And the show today is Ashley Tavadabai. Ashley is an award-winning actor, filmmaker, producer, writer, and fellow podcaster. Um, he's from a diverse cultural background, explored in his short film, Faultified, a story about the Spanish stolen baby scandal, Los Niños Robados. It's up on YouTube. I definitely recommend you checking it out. It's absolutely brilliant. Um, really enjoyed the conversation with Ashley. We talked about being an introvert, becoming an actor, serving the story as an actor, writing and collaboration, getting honest feedback from trustworthy voices about your, about your work, Auditions, rejection, practicing your craft, managing your time, the COVID blues, which we all have now, creative entrepreneurship, and labels. As usual, the links to all of Ashley's socials, um, his short films, the Ashtaba podcast are all included in the show notes. Uh, Come along, you can find me at barrypowermusic.com. Sign up to my mailing list there and get some exclusive tracks recorded only for subscribers and patrons. Speaking of patrons, there's a Patreon page which helps, uh, if you'd like to help in the support of making this podcast, uh, patreon.com forward slash barrypower. There will definitely be some cool Patreon stuff coming soon. Uh, 
I know I say that all the time, but I mean it this time. It's definitely going to happen. Uh, one of these fine days when I can do all the things. If you'd like to be a guest or you know somebody who might be interested in coming along and talking about their experience as a creative maker of things, drop me an email from the maker to the maid at gmail.com. If you've been enjoying the podcast or you know somebody who might enjoy it, please share it around, comment, like, and maybe consider giving a positive review on iTunes. It really helps with the visibility of the podcast. Um, yeah. Brand new thing this week, um, live stream on Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram, Fridays at 9, live, room-to-room live stream. Um, yeah, I'll be getting in on this action. I'll be playing a selection of my own music, some covers, and some requests. So pop along. Links to the live stream will also be in the show notes too. Enjoy the conversation with Ashley Tabatabai. Ashley, you're very welcome. Good to have you. Thanks. I, I like <laughs> how you skipped. I like how you skipped out my surname there. That's, yeah, that's did what you I like do that? all the time too. I was good. Uh, let's start with um, how you got into acting in the first place. Mm-hmm. Um, a nice easy, a nice easy, nice question. easy question. Yeah. <laughs> well, because my my answer to that gets a little bit like you know consciously or subconsciously. Um, well, can you remember a time when you were younger? Like, was there a performance you saw that? you know inspired you particularly or it i'd was love just to something say that there was a cool story like oh when i saw like pacino and scarface or like you know de niro and raging but i don't have that i would sound like really romantic if i did i think it was more um i remember doing drama in high school like around 15 16 and it was more the feeling that that came from that that i enjoyed because I was a reasonably quiet kid. Like I would talk to people. I wasn't the sort of loner in the corner, but I wasn't the super popular kid either. And I think I was probably what you'd label an introvert. Um, Still am, I suppose. And I suppose when we did drama class, it was an opportunity to express in a way that maybe I wouldn't express as freely in my air quotes here, regular life. Um, I'm thinking about that super logically now. I think at the time it was just, oh, this is fun. Like I get to play and enjoy. And then all of a sudden in class, like you do something and you realize that you're getting a reaction from people. I think that was the initial moment or initial sort of uh, little seed that was dropped where people would laugh or they'd kind of, you know, take a breath and take a moment to sort of actually absorb what you said. And that felt, dare I say, almost a little powerful or too powerful for a 15-year-old. Um, I remember doing a play um, in high school. Did you ever read the, I think she's, it was Sue Townsend, uh, The Diary of Adrian Mole. Do you remember oh, those yeah. books? Yeah, yeah, I remember those. I so think I, I might have did... actually been in a play of Adrian Mole when I was a kid. Wasn't it? Yeah, right. So I, do you remember the old guy that used to smoke all the woodbines and the, and the Adrian character used to go and visit him? Oh, yeah. So I like. Vaguely, yeah. Vaguely. Anyway, like in this play, I thought I would get cast as the lead because I had such an ego at 15. <laughs> and then I remember, I, of course, I remember being like given the sheet and like I literally had one role and it was playing the old guy. And you know how like in school when you do drama, if you don't have a big part, they usually give you like three parts. So you have. Yeah, 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 of, yeah. yeah. And I didn't have that. I literally had like four scenes and I literally... I was, I was really pissed off. I was like, you gave me that? So I remember in my mind, 
going, all right, I'm going to do the best old dying smoker guy ever. And that manifested into just having loads of fun doing this character. But I remember doing the play and then I think your schoolmates are your harshest critics when they're watching you do something like that. Yeah. And I just remember getting people laughing and getting a reaction and going backstage and not thinking anything of it, but another girl in the, in the cast coming to me and saying, how did you do that? And I always remember that moment, her literally saying to me back in the wings, how'd you do that? How'd I do what? Like, how'd you make them laugh? I, I don't, I don't know. Like it I was wasn't so, yeah. trying it's to make real, them yeah. laugh. And so from there, I think it naturally just evolved. Um, I, I, I always was going to go and do a non arts related degree. I went and did management um, at the University of York. Um, my dad was Iranian. And so anyone that knows that culture or those cultures, academics is like, there is no question of whether you do or don't, you just, you're going to do something academic. Yeah. So that was drilled into me from a young age to go and do a proper degree. Um, yeah, of course. And, and I don't regret that, but I got to my final year and like something just doesn't feel full within me. Like I need to satiate something beyond just getting a corporate job or whatever it might be. And so I, I, that's when I got back into sort of acting from a, let's try this from a career perspective. That's when I really started looking at, you know, taking classes and, doing short films and trying to build up from there and it's been more years than i can count since <laughs> since that happened yeah yeah so did you find that like doing a regular degree did that kind of help you with your management of your of your own career do you know what like did you approach it with a better work ethic than maybe some other kind of creative types might <laughs> it's a, yeah i know where you're coming from because i do think that creative types were not really taught much about the business side of the business we're in. And you kind of have to learn the hard way. Maybe, maybe I'd have to go back and live a second life and take it away and do an experiment. Yeah. Um, I suppose it has indirectly, but there's no, there's never been a conscious moment where I've gone, Oh yeah, that thing I learned in like that management class yeah. is going to be super helpful now. You know, I, I, I do think that general business skills, you kind of learn them as you, as you do it on the, on the fly. As, as you go along. So how would yeah. you, um, how would you prepare for a role now? What would be like, do you have a process for that? <laughs> Lots of whiskey. No, um, <laughs> I don't advocate that. Anyone listening, don't do that. Um, <laughs> it depends on the role. Uh, are you talking about preparing for an audition or an actual like thing you're going to film and shoot? Well, I suppose either is the process different for, for both. I say a little bit because with the audition, you have less time. Um, and obviously you don't always get the full picture of what the story is or the character is. Like sometimes you don't always get the full script. You'll get your, your sides, you'll get your three right, or four pages. Yeah. And then maybe in the email, you've got a little bit of a breakdown description of this is the character this is the project, this is the tone of voice. You can do some digging on the creative people behind it to see their past work. Um, and so that makes it a little bit more a case of you being a detective to sort of piece together, well, okay, I've got a few bits of the puzzle, I gotta make a choice out of something. So for an audition, it's, it's a little different. I suppose for 
a role where I've got the full script. Um, you know, I think like I, I try to get into the mindset of reading it just as a, a narrative piece as if it were a novel for a few times and try and pretend that I don't have a character that I'm supposed to play mm-hmm. initially, because I think it's important to try and understand the story beats from the story holistically so that you can then later go in as the individual character and appreciate where you with your performance fit in the overall story. Cause the writer has written this with each moment at each character and each line, ideally moving the story forward and creating the arc in, in, you know, a very specific way. So you're serving that story. So if I come in in the third act and I give a performance or take a read on it, that doesn't lend itself to where that character should be in his evolutionary journey as a character and as part of the sort of macro of the story, right, then you're not yeah. really yeah, serving yeah. the story. I suppose it's still not too different to music in terms of I'm trying to hit the notes in a way that isn't one note. I'm trying to sort of let the moments between the note be just as important as the note. Yeah. Or, I've or, also, um, or it's not like check out my solo over your singing. <laughs> you I mean, it can. I mean, yeah. I mean, it can be. It can be. It's also like, can you get to the level of like a Clapton where you can play one note, but that note has so much behind it, yeah, that you don't have to then go that mental with like a crazy solo that melts your face for five minutes. Yeah, true. Which I and guess. Just, would some of that be informed because you're also a writer? as well like you're kind of um you're you're sympathetic to the writer (laughs) i don't know if i'm sympathetic to the writer because uh i I empathize it's definitely not an easy thing to do um i think since i started exploring story and writing and just reading sort of up on it it has helped me from an actor's perspective yes because you take yourself out of, or you try to take yourself out of your actor ego, where it's all about me and I need that role and it's my moment to do the, you know, big, big scene. And yes, that's part of it. But then when you look at it and go, but your scene is just propelling the narrative forward to the next scene. Yeah. And you've got to know, you know, if you're in a really deep and dark place in your character's evolution now, there's going to be some transition at some point, hopefully later on how can you make those black and white contrasts really stand out by knowing where you are in the story and learning about writing and plot and how that sort of acts flow. Yeah. That's that's such an insightful point though, because it's not, it's not how you'd picture an actor kind of thinking about their role. I suppose from an outsider looking at an actor, it's kind of like, how much time do I get on screen? (laughs) You know, um, oh, there's really that too. Don't, yeah, get yeah. that. Don't get me wrong. Um, everyone has their own process. I think anyone, anything with the arts is very much down to the individual. Like, you know, there's no magic bullet formula. So mm. um, that's just what works for me. But I would say learning about other aspects of filmmaking or theater help you become a better artist. You know, I'm not going to be a cinematographer because it's just not my thing. But if I'm inquisitive enough to understand loosely just how it works and what the f-stops are and what different lenses do, that helps me as an actor to then go, oh, what lens are you on? Oh, okay, I know that that's a bit of a wider lens. So I know loosely what frame I have to play with. I'm never going to pick up the camera and do it, but I want to be informed just enough 
to not be a nuisance. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think, yeah. And and to not piss off the cinematographer, of course. <laughs> but, uh, exactly. Yeah, yeah no, that's, exactly. that's like, really, you're... that's really cool. Yeah. So did the writing for you, did that kind of come alongside with acting at the same time? Or did you take to that a bit later? Um, oh, well, so if I go back to when we were 15 again, um, <laughs> we, we had a, a project we had to do where I was given the job of writing a script for this like fake news show we were going to do. And we had a month to create all these stories and then film it and then uh, present it back live to the whole school. So I never fancied myself as a writer, but I suppose indirectly, I was sort of starting that journey way back when then, but I didn't know what I was doing. And then I just kind of never did it for, for years. And we got to maybe five, six years ago, and I slowly started thinking, I have stories to tell and I want to tell stuff that, you know, is important to me. And that's maybe not going to come and land on my lap from someone else's script per se. And maybe it will, but life's short. Like, mm -hmm. I don't want to wait. So let me start exploring and trying to write um, and learning about that process. And, you know, there's moments where I think most people who write, the, the struggle is, sitting down to write like that old adage of the hardest part of writing is just sitting down to start writing yes, um, yeah and the first script i wrote parts of it flowed naturally and parts of it i hated i remember at least three occasions where i think i was sat in my chair staring at a blank wall thinking this is it's it's it's, it's screwed up much harsher words than that but i was like it's it's not going to work it's broken like i can't do anything I've wasted three months writing to this point and it's like a lost cause. And then you step away and then like a friend will give you a note and it fixes it all. You're like, Oh, it's amazing again. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. And, and it, it wasn't a side by side thing. It just kind of came innately from me wanting to um, tell my stories. So, and that so felt like the most empowering way. When you're, when you're writing, like you have a different hat on in terms of like, you know, I'm writing this amazing part for, you know, for me as an actor, or are you kind of more aware of the story? I know that's kind of a strange question, maybe. No, it's not actually. Um, I totally get it. I think when I started totally candid, I think probably like most actors would, it was a case of let me write this amazing part for me. Yeah, um, yeah. And I remember one of my first short films initially was written with like my character being the protagonist and being the main character. And about three or four versions in, I quickly realized that the story would be much stronger if I flipped it. And whilst my character would still be quite prominent and, and essential, the other characters, the protagonist made the story better. And that actually was a very simple and easy thing to just go, yeah, cool. That's what it's gotta be. There's yeah. no preciousness over it. Um, and now it's six of one half a dozen, I think, of the other. Um, but, you know, I'd be lying if I said that I didn't write things that had a chunky part in it for me, if not the main part, yeah, because yeah. the stories that I'm trying to tell are also through my prism. And so normally that lends itself to one of the main characters having a voice into mine. Yeah, and how do you find collaboration then on a script with other actors and directors? I hate and... it. I hate people. 
hate no um <laughs> but you're in the wrong job for that because it's such a yeah i know right industry. i know i know i mean I know. as a musician a lot of times if you write something you can take and go well you do this and you do this but it's so much more collaborative i think in in filmmaking and in in theater as well i agree because i think the writing process um you can only do so much alone. I think you can, someone has to take the reins, uh, in my experience. Someone needs to be the one that's sort of leading the ship, whether they do the physical writing or whether they're just the ones that are kind of navigating and signing off on the arc. You can't have it be like just a free-for-all. So there does need to be some leadership there. Um, but to write alone in isolation and then never get feedback I think is akin to artistic suicide because you don't know if what you're writing is going to be received by other people. You also eventually, I'm sure you have this with your music, you get so close to it that you can't tell the woods from the trees anymore. Like eventually yeah, I'm totally. in it so deep. I, I don't know. I don't know. I even look at stuff I've made now. I'm like, I don't know if that was good, bad. I don't even know if it matters, but you can't get perspective. I think you need, a few people that can come in every so often that can see it removed and emotionally unattached yeah. to see you, it from a very holistic view. Do you find it's easy to get that constructive criticism from people? Um, like, obviously, you, when you bring something to friends, do you know, that, that's brilliant, man. That's amazing. But that doesn't really help you, you know, or they could say that's total shit, which doesn't really help you either. Like, oh. What's that smoke coming up my ass? What is that? Yeah, yeah, it's, yeah. it's, I know what you mean. Um, I think I'm quite lucky that I've got a couple of close friends who are creative collaborators. And so we can be quite honest with anyone's work or opinions in a way that isn't gonna bruise someone's ego. Um, I think that's essential. How you find that, don't ask me because I don't know. It just kind of happened organically. Yeah, I think you can tell who you vibe with artistically. You know, it's just a feeling. And I think those are the people that you can hopefully rely on to tell you like, look, that's good, but this part doesn't work or that doesn't feel like that's what that person would say or that's a bit shit, but there's something there or that's yeah. a bit shit and there's not going to be something there, like forget it. And you're like, okay. I, and I think that's essential. You need people that are going to give you that honest feedback um because one extreme either way it's kind of just noise you know yeah, you friends yeah. And family but like I, I think say. that is that's a hard thing to find is that honest feedback you know and uh it's great it's great that I, you have that yeah I, I, as i said i can't tell you how how you'd go about finding that i mean within the film world you know for me that was working on other people's projects and short films and people that are kind of at a level to you trying to grow up with it. And you start to just realize who you vibe with. Um, and as opposed to your point, cause it's quite a collaborative thing. There's maybe more access to that. Whereas with music, I don't, I don't know. I don't know what that would look like or if that's. Well, there's plenty, there's plenty of collaboration as well. Um, but mm -hmm. I think quite often you're working with, one or two people who have like the singular vision for what they want and if you're lucky enough that they trust you they'll give you rain to kind of bring your own ideas to it um which i gotcha. guess is you know 
collaboration in in in, in the name. But um, speaking of constructive criticism, when you when you go to auditions and kind of miss out on things, and there's a lot of rejection in in kind of the acting world that we don't necessarily get as as musicians. Um, so don't like, you in a different way? Well. I suppose maybe not like you're going for a job and then no one tells you that you didn't get it, but you're still putting your stuff out into the world and trying to get jobs. Yeah, but I suppose I can't, I can't imagine too much. Well, I suppose the audition processes are, are, are more or less the same, but if you're going for, for roles, there's like, yeah, I guess, I guess you're right. There is rejection here too. Um, you're trying to avoid it. You're like, no, it doesn't happen to me. No, no, I don't get rejected. <laughs> I yeah. just reject myself. Um, <laughs> yeah, beat them to the punch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll just get my coat. I'll go. Um, Amazing. But yeah, how do how do you how do you find that? Um, I'd imagine that's a that's a tough part yeah. of that job. Yeah, you know, I don't know if there's an easy easy way. I think some of it just comes with repetition of like. You know, the first few times, I think you can take it personally because anything creative is personal, especially when, you know, as an actor, the performance you're giving, it's you, it's your voice, it's your body, it's your movement, it's your interpretation. It's not like they're rejecting a piece of paper or a spreadsheet or whatever. Yeah, so that feels yeah, yeah. more personal. Um, I, I think for me, it got to a point where eventually it happened enough that you kind of just go, well, this is what it is. Um, and, and that's the nature of the game. And as you get older, this sounds really awful now and wanky. Like when you get older, you'll, you see, if I could you'll talk know. to my younger self. Yeah. yeah uh, when I was your age, um, there is that thing though, that things happen in life where you get perspective on what's really important. And then you look at it and go, okay, I didn't get an audition booked but like you know there's much more important things covid lockdown as an example is a perfect yeah, perspective yeah. maker like what's really important at the end of the day and i know that's easier said than done but that does sort of ground you a little bit when you go i'm lucky to get an audition when i get it i'm going hell for leather to make sure i do the best i can to make an impression and hopefully book it but from talking to so many casting people, the bottom line is the difference between you booking and not booking a job is like fairy dust. There is no answer. There could be times where you go up for something, you may do the most riveting performance, but for some reason they don't give you that job because you don't match with the other lead actor or you remind them of someone that they used to date that they hate, or you're not tall <laughs> enough, or you don't have enough, like or you've not, you know, you don't have enough past credits. There could be a zillion reasons. You look at the game and the permutations, you go, there is like, there's no control over it. So your job, your job isn't to go in and book the job in the audition. Your job is to do such good work that the casting people recognize it and remember it to keep giving you more chances. And then it's just, then it's a numbers game. Yeah, 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 that's good. Yeah, rejection. It's tough going. <laughs> it is, but that's life, dude. Like, Yeah, I know, I know it is. But you know, right. but I think of that a lot. Like, you think of people now that are going through such terrible times with, you know, getting furloughed and made redundant, and that is rejection in of itself as well. But 
that safety blanket of a regular job and a regular paycheck that we've been sort of taught to believe exists is a bit more of an illusion than we thought. And so as an artist, you're used to that kind of hitting the pa hitting the pavement, kind of trying to you know, make stuff happen, getting a kickback here, getting a kickback there. Uh, that's, I think, part of life. Like entrepreneurs and startup businesses, they all go through that too. And I think that's where growth comes from in many ways. It's not a personal thing if someone says they don't want to hire you. Yeah, I, th I think that that has to be the biggest takeaway for that, isn't it? It's like, this is not personal. This is just... For the most part. Sometimes yeah. it might be. Um, yeah, it's like, oh no, not that guy you. again. <laughs> yeah, exactly. God, him again. So how did your podcast come about? What made you start a podcast? Uh, yeah, I thought everybody's got a podcast and I need one too. No, I Yeah, me too. <laughs> yeah, right. I was like... um. I thought about it last year and then sort of timing wasn't right. And I had another, you know, a bunch of other stuff on the go. And then early this year, a friend of mine uh, in January, just kind of out of the blue said, I think you'd be really good. Like as a interviewer or host or like, you know, a, a doing something on a, on a show. It's like, Oh, interesting. You bring that up because I was thinking about doing some kind of podcast and I just never pulled the trigger. I took it as a sign. And so, I started it back in February and the idea was just really to interview, talk to different people from different walks of life and just kind of learn about their stories, their journeys. And I was really curious and am curious about, you know, what are the stories that we tell ourselves and how we sort of navigate our life and, and reframe those stories for ourselves. And then I guess more implicitly, like the idea of storytelling through art mm -hmm. and, and film and, and, you know, through business as well, like how does story manifest itself in, in the business world? Um, and my initial thought was, let me talk to people I know that are friends, like actors and entrepreneurs and, and other people. And then lockdown happened. And I was maybe five episodes in. And I'd always planned to talk to casting directors. It was on my list of to-dos, but I sort of thought, I wanted to build it up a little, be able to reach out to them and say, look, I've had this many episodes. Yeah, and I, thought, uh, no, fuck. and I thought, fuck it, like, let's just reach out and see what happens. And I've not, I don't think I've met any of them, maybe a few of them I've met, but in passing for like a five minute audition, so it wasn't like it was strong personal connections with, with a lot of them. And I just started reaching out and just approach people. And next thing you know, a huge amount of them were super gracious and said, yeah, cool. I'd love to come on. Let's Let's talk. Excellent. And it just sort of snowballed from there and it became, became this thing. Um, and, you know, I think perfect storm and timing with, with lockdown. Um, but yeah, it's been this great thing where I've just got to talk to all these film producers and casting directors who've been super gracious to share their stories and, and their insights on, you know, how to navigate the, the crazy business. And have you got any like main insights that was like, oh my God, I can't believe that, you know, this has happened to them or uh, is there anything of, that you can think of that uh, has particularly stood out to you from? I suppose a few little things in different ways. I think the through line from all of it is there is, there is no magic bullet is, is one, like everybody's got a different opinion. So trying to please someone artistically is never going to get you anywhere. That's the big through line. Like 
they don't want you to come in and try and please them with what you think they want because they don't know what they want. So that, you know, you just need to come in and be you and give your spin and your take on whatever the material is, which sounds super simple and people hear it all the time. And the flip side to it is it's actually probably more complex to execute because it's more about knowing yourself as a person well enough to then be relaxed with the work. So that's the big one. Um, The other one that comes up a lot, especially in the last few weeks is keep practicing your craft. You know, like you don't just wake up one day, move to Ohio from Ohio to Hollywood and go, I'm going to be a famous actor. Like it doesn't work. Um, You got to put in time. You got to put in effort. You got to put in, you know, the work, you got to be curious and, you know, the whole corny line of it's a marathon, not a sprint is indirectly what's coming up too. They just keep saying it. Like the things you can control are working on your craft. Mm. And whatever guys that takes. Do you know, personally for you, how do you like, how do you keep your knives sharp in terms of like all the different projects that you're in? So like you're writing, you're acting, uh, you know, podcast and how do you, how do you find um, time to, to keep like the skill level up for all of these things. This is something that I struggle with a lot is that you want sure. to suddenly want to do everything. And it's like, Oh, I want to be great. Yeah, and then when, and then, yeah, exactly. And then when you're like taking a moment to just take an hour to watch something on Netflix, you have a little bit of guilt in your mind where you're like, no, I should be juggling that other plate. Cause I need 25 things to do. Yeah. That's a, yeah, that's an, that's an interesting one. And then the guilt of like, if I'm not working between nine to five, am I doing something wrong? Because I've been programmed that between nine to five, I've got to be working. And I think it's, it's catching yourself with those thoughts. Um, I've realized I can't do a zillion things at once. As I'm sure you have, it's just not oh, yeah. possible. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, pick the two or three that are the focus. Um, you know, and not put, pre- it's weird. I think more, the more I kind of get older, again, here's one of my old timer things. Um, I think everything's a bit of a contradiction, which sounds really retarded, but I do. I think like you need to have a really focused goal on what you're doing and give yourself like a deadline for something you want to write because without it, you're never going to get there. But also at the same time, you have to be fluid and flexible enough to just let it go and not be so rigid that you force yourself to like panic into just working 12 hours a day on just writing because it doesn't work that way. Yeah. 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 It's, 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 it's a mix of that with acting. It's a bit different because you know, no one can act 24 hours a day. Like you can't, you need other people. So that's a little harder to um, keep on top of and do it all the time. I think with the zoom era we're in, you know, it's been good to just jump on Zooms with other actors and just read a play or read some sort of scenes out loud and just, just practice that way. Um, there's lots of cool, online yeah. courses, you know, doing courses online where like a casting director will give you, um, you know, you go on for four or five days and each day they give you a piece and you go and you work on it and then you'll film it like it was an audition tape and you upload it. And then they'll kind of comment and critique it, but you also get to see the other people's interpretations of the work. So those kinds of things are quite a good way to keep the, the sort of tools sharp because you're working on material, 
but you're also doing sort of, a, I suppose, like a mock taped audition. Yeah, um, yeah, that's very cool, though. That's really cool. It's good to know that that's going on because you do wonder, you know, is there a backlog of projects now that are just waiting to be greenlit to be filmed or, you know, mm. what the state what of, of like the industry is, at the moment is. Like most, I think it's up in yeah. the air, right? I think they've done their best to create some idea of COVID protocols. Um, talking to people in LA, they've been saying that on like the independent films they have to account for 20 to 30 percent of their budget to be just like covid healthcare related mm-hmm. um budget so that's you know testing at least a few times a week um having all the right sort of um quarantining in place for people so you have to bring people in early but house them somewhere um i guess all the sanitizers all the tests themselves so all that stuff just, you know, yeah. it, it brings the cost up. I think the projects that are filming now in the UK are ones that were already either happening before lockdown or they're like season two or season three of existing shows. And they're, they're seemingly on the bigger networks that have that have the money to be able to cover yeah, this. The extra budget. You know, well, yeah, and also... I don't know enough about this, but from what I gather, like insurance won't cover COVID. So mm-hmm. I think they have to have the the scale of the, the production be such that they can make sure that they're going to mitigate people getting COVID. They did. What do you do? Well, say your lead actor comes down with COVID. You can't yeah. shoot. So you're going to shut down for two, three weeks. So can they, as a big budget production, afford three weeks of non-shooting? Well, it's really going to suck for them, but they can probably take the hit because they're backed by Netflix, Amazon, Sky, yeah, HBO. like what happened with um, Robert Pattinson recently. Oh, was it? Was it well, on the Batman? Was it him? I know. I yeah, he got, he, he got was COVID. And, uh, wow. I thought but, Batman was supposed to be like... They released the, the trailer like a week beforehand. So like, look, we have to make it now. So, <laughs> you know? Exactly. Yeah, oh, man, that's terrible. They should have kept that under wraps. Batman can't get COVID. That's kinda... well, I'm sure he'll beat it, though, you know. Dark Knight. No, absolutely. The they'll, exactly. They'll spin it for marketing somehow, no doubt. Yeah. So, like, I suppose as an actor, then, how do you feel about the whole situation now? Like, how are you handling it, the lockdown? and In, in what sense? In terms of keeping sane, in terms of work, or? Well, I suppose both. Well, I mean, I've not been on a set, so I don't really know how I would feel about about that. I don't think I'm that perturbed if the right protocols are in place and you just do things safely. I think, you know, being sensible and managing things, it's 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 doable. So for me, that that's not an issue. I, I think it's just being mindful that things are going slower and there's less happening. And it's an inherently complicated industry anyway. And so we're in a time where there's maybe less opportunities for auditions and roles at the moment, whilst they are happening and they are coming through. And I've been very lucky to have a few auditions in the last month. It's, it's, it's a different world. It's all, it's all over zoom. Um, and there's pros and cons to it, you know? Yeah. Um, 
But you found things are you, picking up again, you know, in, a little bit. In, 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 in the UK, it, it seems that way. In the States, I'm, I, it sounds like things are picking up, but I think they're a little bit behind because things are just a lot worse there than they are here. But it sounds like some shows are prepping to go back or are back. Some independent films have been filming out there um, with all the protocols in place. But it's just everything's going to take longer to film because of these protocols. It's going to cost more. I just don't think it's got the legs to be a viable solution over many years. You know, I think it's a short-term way to get things happening. Get some things but moving, it's yeah. Not, and like for theater, I just don't see how it works. For the, like at, for a theater perspective, it seems very difficult because they struggle, I think, to turn profits anyway. And we're talking, you know, West End and Broadway, yeah. let alone the fringe stuff. If they have to do reduced capacity, that's they're, they're not going to make money. They're not going to survive. I, that, so I yeah. just, I, it's hard to see. Something has to happen, but it's hard to see what, when, and how. And you know, theaters is so important that what you can't imagine the West End or Broadway theaters having to shut down. But I don't think it's out of the realms of possibility if they can't open up to a proper public um yeah it seems that's to not be, gonna happen this year it's the same way for music venues too um you know playing live has just disappeared and it's like what do we do yeah you know how do you express yourself yeah wh- what what has been happening with that i mean is uh, is there nothing 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 there are some uh socially distanced gigs going on um uh with limited compa- capacity um, certain venues, but certain venues, you know, you, they're not going to make enough money on a limited capacity gig to, you know, to survive, which is, mm. so it remains to be seen. It depends on these levels, you know, how, uh, if there's more levels, more restrictions, because it's, it, the numbers are rising here at the moment. So we'll see. Mm. Could be a lot, a long winter, but, um, yeah, aside from aside from COVID stuff. <laughs> yeah, like, enough um, of that bullshit. Yeah, I was going to ask you actually. Um, say in a in a parallel universe where COVID doesn't strike, have you have you any um, have you any recommendations for people who are starting to pursue an artistic career of some kind? What would be like, kind of any thoughts, any advice you could give them? Um. I think reminding yourself that an artistic career is inherently connected to your life and they're not separate. So you need to have a life that is full uh, and not just solely focus on whatever line of art you're going after. And by that, I mean, travel, read, see things, explore, try stuff. It all informs who you are as a person, which indirectly naturally informs your point of view and your voice and what you want to express artistically. And so, you know, it's essential to then have those life experiences. Um, so I suppose that would be one quite ethereal one. Um, that's I guess gr- maybe that's more... really great advice because I found that as well is that so many artists are tied up in, you know, I am this, like I am an actor or I am a musician. And what I was kind of, getting out with the criticism part is that it's very hard to separate 
you know, you're you're rejecting you or or you're criticizing you, but it's not you personally. It's not, you know. I always say that it's like it's like a guitar player and somebody turns around and says, Your guitar's out of tune and they go, I'm a terrible person. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's I think it's a small distinction, but the way I try to frame it for me is that, you know, acting is something you do. Writing is something you do. Like singing or playing guitar, it's something you do, but you're not that thing. Like I'm not an actor, but I act. Um, yes, yeah, yeah. I'm more than just that small part. I'm, you know, I don't need the label of actor on me because if anything, it's limiting, but I do out of passion and, 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 you know, career undertake the act of acting. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. That, no, that's really good. You know advice. I mean? Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's such a healthy way of looking at things too, you know? Well, otherwise you drive yourself nuts. Cause like you say, you take it all so personally. And, and also I think we live in a world where it labels, yes, we need them for our logical mind to compartmentalize what we're dealing with, but they're also pretty dangerous if we're not careful. And I think, you know, it's easy to put a label on someone and then you brush stroke associate your interpretation of what that label means to you to an individual, which is bullshit. Mm. Because, you know, yes, you're, you're a musician, but you are a very different musician to another one that I might meet here on, on the street or in a, in a gig at some point because they have different life experiences. So why well, would I assume true. that you are going to be exactly the same? And I think, like, I'm sure you've come across it too, but people with these preconceived notions when you tell them what what it is that you do. (laughs) Do you always get the thing of like, oh, what what of yours will I have heard? Or what of yours will I have seen? Like, where's something famous you've done? Uh, Yeah, they're waiting for you to to drop the kind of, oh, I had a number one Christmas song. Yeah. (laughs) I'm retired in my castle, you know. Exactly. I was actually one of the original Venga boys. Yes. Oh my God. <laughs> yeah. Howard in the back. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I knew it. I, that's, that's where, like, yeah, I gotcha. I got guilty. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that, that would be my main bit of advice. I suppose my other little bit still a bit ethereal is it sounds wanky as hell, but it is know what your why is like, why you're doing it. That whole Simon Sinek, know your why, but mm. it, I think it's true uh, no matter what you're doing. And I think, you know, your why can be anything, but I usually find that it's important for it to be deeper than just surface level stuff. Like if your why is just, I'm doing it because it's going to make money or I'll get to be like, you know, a jet setter on a film set, or if it's just about me, 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 like what I get from it, I don't know if that's enough to sustain you in the times of bleakness when you don't get an audition or work or nothing's happening. I think your why you do it needs to be something a bit beyond you, whether it's you need to express something to humanity or because you want to do it to create a lifestyle for the people in your life that, you know, it's something that on a dark dismal day gets you up and goes, okay, I hate writing. It sucks. But if I don't do it, this isn't going to happen and go out into the world and my music or film or whatever won't get seen. And, and and that's just the thing there is, there is, a lot of those days are going to come and it's kind of like at some point it's going to seem more like a vocation than than a career and you know real you do have to have that reason that gets you into the chair and right 
hundred percent for real. Have you read the book um, "The War of Art" by Stephen Pressfield? Have you heard? Yes, that book? yeah, love it. Yeah, it's like it's all that stuff about like the discipline of doing it daily, um, and and you know knowing that there's going to be those huge plateaus where like nothing flamboyantly amazing is happening in your career or life but you're slowly building towards like you know a bit of a peak mm -hmm. and then another plateau will come and it's just doing it because it's doing it because you love the process which again is another corny hallmark phrase that everybody spits yeah, out yeah i love the process yeah and i i don't know how easy that is to make happen because sometimes you also hate the process but i guess it's that thing of if you could do anything else, do something else. If you really love it and know you have to do it because it's something deeper than you, you're not going to have a choice anyway. So other, other than the war of art, is there any, um, any other book recommendations, any, um, any particular performances, movies, any uh, resources that you found really helpful uh, in your artistic career? Well, that's a really good question. I feel like I should have a good answer for it. Um, I mean, writing wise, I read um, a few books that some people are a bit on the fence about, but it's called, they're called Save the Cat. Some people like it. Some people are like, it's too formulaic, which I can understand. I think if you're starting out as a writer, it's quite a good book just to give you some idea of structure. And it refers to sort of story archetypes and gives you an idea of some films that you love and know and how they fit into those sort of molds. Mm -hmm. And I agree for a more seasoned writer, you don't want to fit within a mold per se, but if you're learning the ropes and want to just understand the basic building blocks, I, I, I think that was a really helpful book um, for me to, to start out with from a, from a writing perspective. Um, from an actor's perspective, I think it depends because everybody has a different take. There's so many sort of famous ones um, like, you know, Sanford Meisner on acting, um, you know, and, and you can read Uta Hagen's books. These are like famous sort of acting coaches from the sort of 70s and 80s and the sort of golden age of the De Niro's and Keitel's coming through. Mm -hmm. And those are great books, um, but maybe of a different time. Um, yeah, I think, you know, those ones, maybe from a non, um, from a totally non-artistic perspective, there's a finance book that I have here called I Will Teach You To Be Rich, which I always harp on about. It's the terrible, terrible title. It sounds like clickbait. But, it totally um, sounds like clickbait. <laughs> it sounds like clickbait. I know, I know. I thought that too. But it's actually a pretty good book on just practical ways of how to sort of manage and use and invest your money. Um, and I actually implemented some of the stuff and I found it quite helpful for me. And I think as, you know, artists or not, we all need to have a better relationship with money for the most yeah. part. Um, and I, you know, we're not taught that in school for whatever reason, um, which we won't get into, but I, I think that, you know, that's, that's a good book. Uh, cause I don't buy into the starving artist thing. I think that's total bullshit. Yes. Um, um the other one, the other resource or book that helped me from an actor's perspective um, is called Self-Management for Actors. Um, it's by a lady called Bonnie Gillespie, who's a acting business coach and a casting director in LA. And she focuses on the business side. 
but really helps actors with mindset, but also just being smart about how to target the right people, the right offices, understand what you're bringing to the business and really helps you frame it from the point of view of an entrepreneur, which we all are as artists, but we don't really get taught the business side. Yeah. And I think for actors, that's a really useful book because it just lets you see uh, where you might fit and lets you undertake specific exercises to get information on how people see you as an actor and oh, that's where cool, you can yeah. position yourself. Ashley, thank you very much for coming on. No, Barry, my pleasure. It's that's been it. it's been great chatting to you. Yeah. Oh, man. You are listening to From the Maker to the Made podcast. So I don't normally do this, but I wanted to jump on at the end here and talk a little bit about these times that we're living that we're living in and just share a few of my thoughts about how it is being an artist and a creator. And uh, yeah. And I also wanted to ask, how are you doing? How are you feeling? I hope you're feeling good because this time isn't easy for everybody. and It's a hard time, especially for, especially for artists and people who are used to putting their work out there and they just literally can't do it now. That we're, uh, yeah, I don't know about you, but I'm kind of, I'm swinging one way from total acceptance where everything's cool and to uh, total in denial that maybe it won't come back and uh, maybe the ship will not right itself and we might make it back to the stage or and I do feel like that sometimes but uh, I know that it's been really difficult for some people and anyway for me the things that keep me anchored I call them my anchors stop me spinning out Creation's an anchor for me. Art, music, books, films. All these things are really important to me. And if you make those things, that's the feeling that you can give to somebody else. You can give somebody else an anchor. Something to hold on to when they start to spin out. And that's what makes it worth doing. And that's that's why you're so important and uh, if you do feel like you're spinning out think of think of the things that can be anchors for you and people can be anchors too but you gotta you have to talk to them and let them know how you're feeling and it's so important and it mightn't be a heart on your sleeve phone call sometimes just a phone call where you talk about stupid stuff, that can be enough to help you help you with your anchors. I know it does for me. I wanted to say something a lot more profound, but it's hard. Hard to be profound when you're sitting here on your own in a room talking randomly to a computer. Um, but I guess that's where we're that's where we are. Um in the words of Dostoevsky, 
darker the night, the brighter the stars. The deeper the grief, the closer is God. Thanks again so much for listening. And stay safe. And stay creative. And stay positive. And I'll see you on the next one.